You are listening to Quit, a podcast about change, the challenges of improving your career, making tough decisions, starting something awesome, and quitting your corporate stooge job and becoming a real human being again. Hattie Cook. Hi. How are you today? How are you? I'm pretty good. My name is Dan Benjamin. This is episode number 105. And this is the time of day I want to record. Yep. It's a, it's a nice this time is the right to record. time of day to record. Right in the morning. Wake we'll up. See, we'll see if you yawn. Record. We'll see if you yawn. I, I just said yawn. I feel it. Because of why I said it. I feel it. And it's warm in here. It's warm. Well, also it's the morning sun <sighs> on those windows. We close those, but I it's know. not going to matter. I know. And what they do is if somebody sets it up, they, the AC to 74 degrees. And if they set it to 74 degrees, it'll never, it'll never make it down to 72. If they left it no. at 73, they're There's maybe they're just slightly cooler than they think they want to be. And we're a little warmer than we want to be. And put on a little jacket. It's fine. I'd rather be in inside of a building. I'd rather be too warm. I'm too cool than too warm. Outside, you I'm okay be being warmer. Right. But inside, who wants to walk around? The ha- I would rather say, all right, you know what? I'll put on a little, a little jacket inside. <sighs> wow. I know. 105 of these things we're doing. That's a lot. Yeah. Feels like a lot. Did you get your CBD oil in? Take your CBD oil? Yes. Right. Did you get your yeah, CBD oil? Yeah, I got mine. Got my CBD oil. CBD oil. CBD oil. It's a name. It's a, someone's <laughs> name. It's like olive oil. Olive oil's cousin, CB oil. Middle name, Dylan. Yeah. So you're relaxed. You're ready to do your... Yeah, are you? Feeling good. Yeah. Yeah. What do you got? You said you had lots of links. Yeah, Should I pull them up? Yeah, open them up. Yeah, open them up. All right, I can do that. When, why don't I do that? I think we should start. Yeah, where should with... we start, Hattie? Which one do you well, want? Well, did, did we have any? E- ah, did there's we get any three emails? links. Yeah, n- none that I want to do yet. I want to save them for save a them. little bit. Yeah. Well. Okay, you want? We can talk about young Mar- Americans killing marriage. We could talk well, about. Well, that article really isn't about that. I don't know why that's the title. Talk really about stupid. your 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 uh, Greg Story job search. We could talk about selling pens. This one is actually, you should read that one. I um, did read it. The, the, the sell me this pen one? Well, yeah, this is, this is the old, you want to start with this? We can if you'd like. All right, let's start with this. There is a, an old thing where if you're interviewing for a sales job of some kind, the old interview question if you can call it a question right. would be you're you're sitting across the desk from your high, potential new manager the hiring person whoever and they look at you and they're like i got into this business 10 years ago 50 years ago and i've been doing this and i can sell anything it doesn't matter what you're selling i want you to sell me something here sell, sell me. me this pen and your job is to sell them this pen that you've never seen before that maybe the the person across the desk was just writing with right and maybe it's not even a special pen. Maybe it's not even a Mont Blanc like uh, Hattie carries around in her purse at all times ready yep. to take yeah, notes. Yeah, you know me. It, may, it might just be a plain old Bic. And you have to somehow sell them that pen, convince them that that's the pen that they, they want to buy. Pen. They need that pen. They can't possibly say no to you. And so this was done in, wasn't it Wolf of Wall Street? I where think so. uh, Leonardo DiCaprio did that. I'm not sure, but there's a, uh, there's a photo of Leonardo DiCaprio yeah, I don't know handing where that's someone a from. Pen. I don't know either. Maybe but he's just gifting him a pen. Maybe he's giving him a pen. Who knows? But but this is a great t- summarize answer. Summarize the article. What is the answer? How well, does it go? Well, it's, it's, it's kind of a nice back and forth uh, between, you know, you and the, as they say, the CEO. Right. Um, and 
they they break it down into why this kind of back and forth works. Um, and it says, one, find out how they last used a pen, gathering info. So uh, two, emphasize the importance of the activity they last used a pen, respond to that info. Mm-hmm. Uh, sell something bigger than a pen, like a state of mind, which is delivering info, and then ask for the buy closing. So right. there's a there's a, a sense to there's it. There's a formula. Yes. And, uh, you know, they go through and they ask about when was the last time you used a pen? Right. You know, and they said, "Oh, uh, well, I was writing something. What were you writing? I was signing new co- new customer contracts." Well, I say that's the best use for a pen. You know, like and try and get them to realize. I don't know. I just thought it was a good idea. You have it, to it is it. great. You it's a, it's, it's a really good example. And uh, what the person who wrote this is actually saying: I never thought that I would go into an interview where somebody actually said, "Sell me this pen." He said, "But <laughs> right. but he did." And it's one of those things that very it. What the point of this is to test the person's ability to react on the spot, right? And think on their feet, and that's something that it, in sales, the only thing that matters right. is that you can think on your feet. Nothing else matters. Right. And I've done a lot of sales, and I first got introduced to sales. I mean, I did sales for my own companies. But the first time that I was actually part of a an official sales team working with really seasoned salespeople was in that job when I was working for that um, the CLEC competitive local mm-hmm. exchange carrier. The um, this is before you could call your your local phone company and get DSL or your local cable company uh. and get internet from them. We we had a company where we were essentially, for all intents and purposes, we were leasing lines from our local carriers and we were bringing those lines essentially bringing internet connectivity or phone connectivity or ideally both to different companies and in some cases we were just reselling long distance as well which is weird to think it was like what's long distance in in the present day i you don't right. worry if there's a long distance call you just no, make a phone just call. call but back in those days Long distance calls meant something and you were billed per minute for a long distance call. And if you made lots of long distance calls, if you had a lot of income in long distance calls for a, for a call center or something, yeah, it got very, very expensive. This is before the days or really in the early days of packet switched phone networks. So uh, the idea of going and re and becoming essentially, we were like a cheaper long distance carrier as well. So this was an interesting kind of a service to go out and sell. And the guys had been doing this for a long time. They'd worked for MCI and AT&T and, uh, and Verizon and other bigger companies, which weren't known by those names back in those days. And I was sort of their, their sales engineer at this time. Because they knew I had sales experience, they knew I had tremendous technical experience, and I was an interesting combination of both. We would go to a meeting, I would sit in the meeting, and they would answer all these sales questions. They would start promising things left and right. And then there might be a technical person in that sales meeting, and they would say, uh, how does this work? Or how are you going to do this? Or what's your solution to that? And that I would, I would respond to that part of it. But I learned a lot from those guys about and and of course then i would go back to our crew the 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 nerds and say here's what we need to do for this customer and translate their needs into actual technical requirements 
And I learned a lot from the, the two sales guys that were doing it and their different sales tactics and techniques and things like that. But the whole point of it was, you know, you, you sales is one of those things where you, you have, there are so many different approaches to it. There isn't a general formula that works and it really is about thinking on your feet and reacting to the questions and the mood and the tone and the customer. And the customer. Yeah. yeah. And that there isn't a standard way to do it. There isn't a right or a wrong answer. I mean, any, anything that closes the deal, as long as you're telling the truth is, is the right answer to do it. And that's why so many people aren't cut out for sales. You need to be able to, it's not like you're making stuff up, but you need to be able to involve the customer in a story. And people would say, well, today with, you know, software as a service and and all these things that we buy online, there really isn't a salesperson. There really isn't a sales process, but that's, that's not true. It's just that the website or the app or whatever takes the place of that. And if you think about the sponsorships that we do on a podcast, we are essentially doing that sales job. And the people who have been nice enough to say, Dan, you do a really good ad read, you do good spot. Well, that's because I had 15 years of sales experience. I'm doing the sales job. That is a sale. That is a sale. I'm trying to get someone to use one of our sponsors. It's easy because how do you book really good sponsors? And I I like the sponsors. But I've been in situations in sales where I really didn't like the thing we were selling or I didn't believe in it. And that's a really tough situation to try and sell something that you don't like or that you don't believe is the best. It's hard to say this thing is the best. And you know deep down inside that it's not. You feel bad about that. And I haven't had many occasions. I really did like the things that I, that I sold. A lot of them were things that I was building or working on. So it's easy to take pride in the thing that you've built. But for you to say, oh, I'm just building an app or I'm just a, I'm just a software developer or I'm just a designer building out a website or I just run a little you know, bespoke print press, a little boutique shop. I'm not like into sales. You can't run a business if you're not, if you don't do sales, you cannot, if you're a software developer thinking, I don't like people. I don't like to talk to people. I like to just be here with the code. And there's a lot of people like that out there and there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're thinking you just want to like be on your own and build cool things, you can't do, you will not have a successful business doing that. The story of, of the person who invents this really cool thing and just puts it out there and it just gets discovered, and the next thing right. you know, they're like successful running a business, and then they got money. That's one in a billion. Yeah, that's not going to happen. To you guys listening to this show, that will not happen to you. Plan on something else happening. What, so what does that mean? Does it mean you have to start liking people? That you have to start being confident and getting up in front of an audience? Of course not. It means you need to find someone who can do that for you. And that's the person that should be the CEO of your business or the CMO of your business. That's the person that needs to be the face of your business. You can sit and write your code or do your designs or, you know, build your uh, birdhouses. Whatever it is that you do, you need to find a person to do that for you. And the earlier and sooner you find them, the better. And there are lots of people like that. There are lots of people out there in the world who are very good at that and who suck at writing code or building birdhouses and don't want to do it. And the idea of them doing that is a joke. Here's an example you might be familiar with, Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak. Woz sat there building these amazing computers when no one was building computers. 
And yeah, Steve Jobs was a very technical person. He got it. He understood this. And he was capable of soldering motherboards and putting this stuff together too. But was that the best use of Steve Jobs? No. But that's what Woz wanted to do. He wanted to build really cool stuff. But he needed Steve Jobs to do all the other stuff. And Jobs certainly needed him. And it doesn't mean you have to have a partnership per se. It doesn't mean you need to pay this person a million dollars. But if you're not the guy, if you're the Woz and not the Jobs, then you need to find someone to do that and be honest with yourself about it. Because so few people, so few people will be good at doing sales. Just because you're uh, an extrovert or just because you're good at communicating with people or just because you're good at thinking on your feet doesn't mean you will be a good salesperson or it doesn't mean you will like doing that. But every single business, every single product needs to do sales. I have a friend who has an interesting business making uh, videos, tutorials and things like that. And they have a, he has a really good business doing that, but he promotes it. He promotes it. He is the face of that business. He's not just on camera, but he is the face of that business. He's promoting it. He's out there putting it in front of people. And when he goes places, he's on on the job. He is selling something. The most successful real estate people. And real estate is something I absolutely love. And, and and plan to get into at some point. I think I think you you're selling. You're always selling it. Advertising is a form of sales. Um, Absolutely. And so I think many people are just focusing more on advertising than than like physical sales people. Right. But they're hiring people that understand sales mm-hmm. and can translate that into a good campaign. So. Yeah. Yeah. You just you need to you if if you're not that person, you need to surround yourself with those people. So like when I tell you about our first sponsor, Linode, I want you to listen to how I do this because I'm, I am, and if you're a podcaster, if you're listening to the show thinking you want to start a podcast, you want to be full time, listen to how I do this. Okay. Because I think, I think this matters and you can do the same thing. Listen to how I do this spot. And this is going to become your own ad read for yourself when you are calling someone to promote your own business or your own idea. I think it's very hard for people to talk about themselves or the thing that they made very uh, too much. You know, like I feel like they, they need to they get over like, that oh, right now. Yeah. They need to get over that right now or they have already failed. Because you're not bragging, you're selling. There's a difference. Yeah. They have failed. If they're afraid to do that, if it's hard for them to talk about how awesome the thing that they built is, step one, hire someone to do that. Or step two, shut the business down, go work for somebody else. You failed. Like, it's that simple. You can't just build something. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. They'll, they'll find out about it. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. No, it's not going to be awesome. And let me tell you about Linode. Linode is where I host all of 5x5 stuff. Linode is where I host all of Fireside's stuff, the podcast hosting platform that I built. And I went with Linode because I really like them and because I trust them. I've been a user of Linode for many years, long before they sponsored, and was hosting with them long before they sponsored. They have what I think is an amazing infrastructure. They have data centers all around the globe. 
so that you can pick the data center that's convenient and closest to you or closest to your customers. What does that mean? That means that the servers that you put out there are going to be super fast anyway, but they're going to be even faster because they're going to be in close proximity to where your customers are. They have what I think is the best, most straightforward console to get stuff up and running. And what they do is they, have, they, they make VPSs, virtual private servers. And what that means is it, is it is a server that is yours. You have root access. You can do anything that you want to do with that. You want to host your applications there? You can. You want to store files and serve files there? You can. You want to put a website up there? You can. You want to just use it as a place to learn and develop and stage stuff? You can. Whatever you want to do out there, host your own installation, software that you wrote, someone else wrote, doesn't matter. We do everything on Linode. We store our files there. We serve our files there. I've got caching servers. I've got load balancers. When we do stream the shows live, we're using this streaming right through them. And it couldn't be easier. They have over 400,000 customers trusting Linode, including us. They got 24-7 support experts, 99.9% uptime, all the tools you need to get the job done right the first time. And they now have two gigs of RAM on their servers for only 10 bucks a month. Tons of Linux distros on there. I actually just completely redid the 5x5 server and infrastructure there and consolidated because they came out with newer, better plans. It was upgraded to the new plans. You click one thing, boom, server's upgraded twice a RAM, whatever. So they now have a one gig for $5 plan. One gig server for five bucks. It's crazy. You can also, they have these really high memory plans too. You're doing a lot of CPU stuff. You need a lot of RAM, 16 gigs for 60 bucks a month. Upgraded storage. You name it, they got it. And I'm going to give you a $20 credit. Go to promo, P-R-O-M-O, promo.linode, L-I-N-O-D-E, promo.linode.com slash quit. And you'll get a $20 credit on your new account. Highly recommend it. Go check it out. Promo.linode.com slash quit. Thank you very much, Linode, for supporting the show. I believe Linode is the best VPS service out there. That's why I use them. Yep. So it's easy for me to talk about, to talk them. about that. Yeah. Now, I built Fireside. And I can tell you, feature for feature... That is the best place to host your podcast. That is the best analytics you will find for a podcast. It's the best one. And I'm not saying it because I built it. I'm saying it because I continuously look at what else is happening out there. I continuously look at the competition. I continuously examine everything else that's going on. And I'm continuously improving and adding features, making it better, responding to people saying, can you do this? Can it be doing this? Can it make? Yes. Yes, I'll build that in. It is the best thing out there. And I'm not saying it because I think it's the best. I'm saying it because I know it's the best. And why would you do anything? Why would you make anything if it wasn't the best? And you know what? If someone comes out with a a better feature, something that we don't have, that we need to add, then you know what? Maybe they'll be the best for a little while until we add two features that they don't have, plus the one they just added. Then we'll be better again. But that's the way you have to think about it. If you're, if you're not the best, and it's okay to be the second most popular thing or the fifth most, po- most popular thing, that's fine. That's totally fine. As it, but, but that's based on something you can't control, like revenue. You can't control that. But if your features are the best, 
if you're doing the best you can, you have to believe in it. You have to believe in what you're doing. You have to believe that it's the best thing out there. So I like this article, Hattie. Yeah. Where is this? This is just, I can't believe you're, you're spending a lot of time on LinkedIn now. Only for the show. A lot of time on LinkedIn. Only for the show. Has lots of good business things. Um, But but, he said, before we, before we go to the next article. And I just put a new one in, so reload. Oh, okay. He says, uh, this is, so this is the guy's, it's, wait, is it a man or a woman? It's a woman. You know, she's great. Here's what she says is her simple sales framework that she used. Did you already read this a little yeah, bit? Yeah, so yeah. We'll, we'll recap it then. One is gathering info. Two, respond to info. Three, deliver info. Four, close. And her examples in this case for number one that Hattie already read, I'll read again. Gathering info. How did they last use the pen? What were you doing the last time you used a pen? Right. Two, responding is emphasizing the importance of the activity they last used. Oh, yeah, that's a good use for that pen. Mm-hmm. Deliver the info. They want to sell something bigger than a pen, like a state of mind. And I would actually emphasize that that is the overarching thing. You want to sell a state of mind. Why do you want to use Fireside? Because you want the process of publishing a podcast to be easy, straightforward, elegant, and reliable. What state of mind is that? You know all you have to think about. Is just recording that show and the rest will be easy. Making your content the best it can be. That's focus right. Focus on that. Focus on the content. Don't focus on the details of, well, how do I get it out there? How do I submit What's it? What's the RSS feed? What, yeah. do I do? Yeah. what about a website? <laughs> I, none of that should be a concern for you. No. And then the last one, ask for the buy. That's the close. Say, all right, are you ready to do this? You know what? I was reading an article, uh, not to jump ahead, um, let me find, I'll find it and put it into the show notes. Uh, it was this article speaking of podcasts about uh, that, that a friend, friend of the show, Tom Merritt. You know Tom Merritt. Oh, I know Tom Merritt. Friend of the show, Tom Merritt, posted a link, and uh, I'm not faulting him. The link is on the Patreon blog. We use Patreon. You can spray. You don't like our sponsors? Support the show on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Dan Benjamin. Do it. You'll support us. Give us a dollar a month. Give us $5 a month. Every little bit helps. On Patreon, the seven best podcast promotion, promotion strategies and how to use them. And at the top of the post, they have a, a generic stock photo of a, a 1940s style uh, microphone which is about as relevant uh, as could be today, because that sure is the kind of, that's what I think of. When I think of podcasting, I think of a 1940s radio broadcast right. style telephone uh, t- uh, microphone. I don't think of the Telefunken uh, M82. I don't think of the Shure SM7. I don't think of the RE20. I don't even think of a Blue Yeti. I think of a vintage 1940s hello everyone and we're going to bring you the news today no that's not what we're doing today (laughs) don't even show a microphone yeah how about show a 20 something professional woman walking to work from the subway to her job in new york city that's who's listening to podcasts today yeah not a 1940s microphone with a sepia sepia overtone to it 
So already, as soon as I see that, I'm like, all right, I know what this is going to be all about. It's like they only stock footage of like a microphone. Let's find, let's find a microphone. Bringing you the news. Friday, April 14th, 2017. Did you ever watch Courage the Cowardly Dog? I don't think so. Oh, that's what their um their little announcer guy on the news sounds exactly like that, and uh-huh. it's amazing. <laughs> so they talk about how popular podcasts are, and they say uh, their step one. Listen to listen to listen to this, and how this just this is everything I don't want to happen with podcasts. I want podcasts to continue to be great. Is everything I don't want to. And listen, I'm not bashing friend of the show, Tom Merritt. He's he's super successful. He's a wonderful podcast. He's one of the best podcasters in the history of podcasting. Yep. I'm not faulting him for posting link. But one, create high value show notes for SEO links and sharing. I just did whole thing feels wrong words, to me. All those words, I hate. They talk about how podcasts do this. I, I just want to say. Go back in the, the annals of 5x5 five five and you will see some of the best show notes in the business. And the word SEO will not be anywhere in there. We, people did show notes, but I'll tell you what, until John Syracuse started doing hypercritical, show notes didn't matter. Right. He put show notes on the map, okay? And the show notes that we used to have for, uh, for frequency, when oh, we were yeah. finding all those links on our old show, I'm telling you. Using show notes to rank on Google. One way to leverage your show notes is through doing a bit of search engine optimization on them so that they're more likely to be showing up in Google. Craft a headline around those topics and the guest's name so that you can rank for searches related to what was discussed in that episode. I have to tell you... Or you can name it something real funny and stupid that was said on the, on the show. Yeah, I have to tell you... <laughs> By setting a slightly different meta title for the article, he can position it to rank for international SEO steps or how to do international SEO. None of this is going to help your show be a success. This is not how you get listeners. And I'll tell you what else. When someone's sitting at Google and they're typing in the search for how to do international SEO, which, Hattie, I know you and I both search on that all day, every day. I search on that pretty much every day. That's like, I should set that as my homepage. Just a Google search, open up to that. How to do internet. Okay. People, if if a podcast comes up in the results for that, they're not going to hit play. It's not how it works. Right. I need to find information quickly. You know what I might do? I'm going to listen to a 45-minute hour-long podcast. Right. Maybe somewhere Maybe in that 45 minutes. Maybe something might be in there. They'll say, oh, but you know what? it's really the, easy to skim and scan a, a podcast episode. You know what, Hattie? It so turns easy. out I listened to the 45 minutes. They, they didn't even say the words how to do international SEO. No. It was a crafted title. Crafted title. A nightmare. Make your show notes highly shareable. On top of optimizing your show notes for SEO, you can tailor them to be very shareable on social media. By structuring the notes so they share nicely and creating calls to action within them. All of this. Sales you know what? Terms. And the thing is. This, SEO, calls to action, all of that. This yeah. works, but this doesn't work. You know what I'm saying? Like this, this gets you those sort of vapid clicks of, I heard a thing, I clicked play. But this is not creating <laughs> listeners. This, is, listeners, this no. is not creating an audience. No. And, and that's the only thing that matters for your business or your podcast. What was the thing that, that we were just talking about that, we were, that we, we, we were in the car coming back? We had picked up lunch at the Whole Foods yeah. and we were coming back in the car and we were talking about some product that we really liked 
and I can't remember what it was. So that, that that's a failure on their part for the brand marketing. But whatever it was, <laughs> I remember we were both talking about how we liked the product and how we would go out of our way to buy that product over another product because we liked the company, we liked the brand and what it was about. It doesn't even, I don't think, matter what it was. Yeah, I don't remember what it was. It doesn't matter what it was. The point is, you want to create that feeling in your customers. You want to create yeah. that feeling in your clients so that when, a, when, a, when your customer or your client thinks, I want to go do that thing, that they have a positive association about you and the thing that you're making. If that thing is a birdhouse or a podcast or a, a podcast hosting company or a Rice Krispie Treat or, Rice Krispie Treat or CBD oil, <laughs> you want to make sure that your customer your client has a positive association between you and, and that thing and will go to you. So a lot of the time, you might, here's a situation you might say. You might say, for example, I really need a, my teeth are feeling sensitive when I drink a cold liquid. Maybe I need sensitive, uh, you know, that, that sensitivity uh, toothpaste. I wonder if Colgate makes a sensitivity toothpaste. Why? Well, because I like Colgate and I have Colgate already and in the past I've used Colgate. So there's a positive association for you with that brand. I'm not going to go and try Sensodyne, even though that might be right. the number one leading sensitive you know, toothpaste. Because you're brand loyal. Because I'm brand loyal to, to Colgate. I want to see what it is. You need to create that brand loyalty with all the stuff that you do. Yeah. Whatever the thing is that you do, that's going to work much better than crafting a title for SEO in your podcast. Or crafting, and yes, that'll get it in the search results, but that's not really it's how so you much make extra work. Just focus on the content that you're putting into the podcast and and putting it in front of the right audience or your or your, whatever it. your business is. I just don't think that that kind of thing works. It feels smarmy to me. Yeah, it feels cheesy to me. It does not feel genuine to me. It talks about making. Um, it, here's something that really gets me. They talk about repurposing your episodes to promote on other platforms. Now, I know this is podcast specific, but this is a good example of someone who's, they're thinking about lots of different ways to get something out there. And this is one tip that I liked, but I also find it to be flawed. And I'll, I'll tell you what their tip is. Again, it, yes, it's specific to podcasting, but it's an example. So bear with me. They're talking about what one podcast does with their episodes. Not only do they release their episode on their main feed, they also then uh, have a looping visual logo and they release their podcast as YouTube videos with just their logo and a swirling background and their audio playing on YouTube so that people can find them and, and play them on YouTube. Okay. Then, uh, then they also some uh, another one is talking about re- that they release behind the scenes. In other words, they have just a video of the two people making it uh, of of the podcast, and they release that on YouTube, and that might get a few thousand views. They talk about releasing your podcast on SoundCloud so that it just in case someone would find it. This is another way for people to find it. What I like is giving people lots of avenues to get your product, whatever that thing is, because they might be loyal to one certain way of consuming something exactly and so uh if for example let's say that you make your own incense right you're going to want to definitely set up your own website so people can go there and buy it you know what also make an etsy store can you also use amazon as a fulfillment sell it on amazon too get it on jet.com get it as many places as you can and give people as many avenues to find your product or buy your product as possible can you accept paypal yes do it can you do credit cards yes can you do apple pay yes everything make it as easy as possible for people to give you money also buy that thing and find out about 
right. your product. Seeing some seeing a product's name over and over again, like, oh, I was on Amazon and I saw this brand of incense. And then, you know, I was at browsing through Target and I saw it there too. It must be really good. That's just something that I think everybody starts to feel when they start to see things over and over again. You know, they're like, maybe I'm missing out on this if it's there and there and there. What do you think? Yeah, I totally think so. But what I'll tell you, Hattie, that's a good point. I'll tell you what I feel like is flawed uh, about yeah. this. I know that there's a lot of people who have today like YouTube Red and they want to do things on YouTube or they're already on YouTube. So if they can find your podcast there, then that's good. But I am a firm believer in sticking to what the medium does best. I don't think that just having a, a screen with your rotating logo on it while you have a podcast, there's a, no value. Yes, you're making it available in a second place, which is good. but if you're going to do something on YouTube, do it for YouTube. That's right. why I like the idea of doing a behind-the-scenes thing. Even if it's just a video of you and your co-host sitting in your two offices and it's a recording of your Skype call and you get to see the two people, that's fine. You're using Google Hangouts to do it even better. But what I'm saying is make their, give, create that additional value for that, that other for place that, that you're doing mm-hmm. it. If you're going to be, oh, well, we release them to YouTube, great. Release a video of it to YouTube. Record yourselves with video. Do something that makes it better for YouTube. Give people an additional reason to go to YouTube. Because if I go to YouTube and I just see your logo rotating, I don't want to sit in front of YouTube and play it. I'd rather hear it on my podcast app. I'd rather hear it in iTunes. I'd rather hear it if you can get your show on Spotify. Those are audio things. Keep it audio. If you're going to do something on video, go the extra mile. Right. Don't just release it there. I feel like that's a cop-out. Personal opinion, but says to me that you're lazy. Yeah. You're too lazy. You just release it like that's lazy. And, uh, you know, and then they, they talk, uh, they, they give an example of a tweet. A right way and a wrong way to tweet to promote your show. And I, I thought this one was interesting. Yeah. And I want to hear your take on this, Hattie, because I know how much you're like Twitter. Yeah, I just tweet all day. So they give an example of someone that they, they tweet to a person. So they might say, at Hattie Bird, just featured you in my latest article all about promoting a podcast. That's the example here uh-huh. on this page. They're saying that that's, they might, you might get a like, right, but if but you phrase not. it differently, the best podcast promoting strategies, including how at Hattie Bird writes tweets are easy, that are easy to retweet, more here, and then there's a link. That will get a retweet. That would get a retweet. Yep. Now, that's something I also liked in this, less smarmy, less about SEO, right. but more about giving someone a framework to promote that thing that you're doing. If you tweet to someone or at someone, that's you having a conversation directly with that person. Right. Instead of talking about Talking them. about them. And they will, they will definitely want to, to do that. So just some thoughts there. We should do our second sponsor. Yeah. Which one is going to be our second one? Because I see we've got... Got three. You want to do Higher Loop? Yeah. Higher Loop. Okay, so here's the thing. Let me tell you about Higher Loop. The guy who does Higher Loop contacted us after last week's show. After and the what, first spot. What, yeah. did he say, what did he say? He said that he loved the spot and he was asking if there was anything he could do to help improve the spot. He's already seeing, you know, people trickle in and, you know... I. They should be flooding in. I know. I know. Because this is a good product. Yeah, it is. So first of all, my response to that is uh, thank you. And yay. And yay. And we love to hear that. We love to hear that there's been a good response. 
And my second response to that is, is, is shame on you and how, <laughs> how dare you suggest that the job I did wasn't already the best job. <laughs> how do you, how, what's the process for firing a sponsor? I'm just curious. I'm just asking for a friend. Oh, uh, well. We'll go into that yeah, after, we'll after that, the yeah. uh, how to fire someone. But this is about <laughs> how, how to hire someone. Hire Loop is a tool that makes filling an open position less stressful for employers. I would argue, Hattie, it makes it less stressful for the applicants too. Yep, yep, for sure. Because I'll tell you what, we've hired a lot of people. And one of the, it, it is an incredibly tedious process. It doesn't matter if you're in a big company or a small company, but when you're in a smaller, medium-sized company and you're the person doing the hiring, Ugh. and you, you, first of all, you put that job posting out there and then you start to get tons of responses. Most of them are, are uh, totally wrong. And then other, other job sites start scraping that first job post. So even like later on, when after the filled, job post has right. been filled, you're still like, oh, I heard there was a new job. It just got posted over on jobscraper.com. But the whole thing is tedious. And what you really want is you really want to find some really good candidates and you want to interview them and you want to fill the job. That's what you're trying to do. But there's so much else going on in your inbox already overloaded. Now you're just getting more emails and more emails and people submitting resumes and all that stuff. You can't keep track and everybody's name is John and you don't know what's happening and you're like, have we interviewed this person? I don't even know. That's anymore. right. <laughs> Hire Loop exists to solve the problem of inefficient hiring. I'm going to give them that. They can run with that. I'm oh. just an idea guy. They can do whatever they want with that one. What they're not, let me be clear about this. They are not a job board. They don't even have nope. job board functionality because there's a lot of job boards out there. Here's the cool thing is you post your, on your regular job boards as it is. You use the ones you like to do. It doesn't matter which one you can post on all of them. You can pick the one you, your favorite. Any job board you like. But then the email address that applicants are sending their information to is a higher loop address and they handle everything. It's like collected. They collect all that info. That's right. It's all there and it all shows up in one place. And they have all these really cool features like you can see at a glance all of the applicants there. When, nice. you, when you find, when you want to do interviews, it helps that. And then when you fill the position... It sends an email to all the other people that like gently tells them, I'm sorry, you weren't selected, blah, blah, blah. But like it, it's filled. all automated. It's all That's automated. So you don't cool. have to think about it anymore. Why has no one done this before? Like I've seen travel sites that do this where like you forward them your, uh, your plane itinerary, your travel right. and your hotel and it like puts together. That's basically what Hireloop is doing for the hiring process. It's genius. Yeah, it's genius. This guy's smart and this site is great. And how do you want to go to it? You go to Hire Loop, H-I-R-E Loop, HireLoop.io slash quit. This will get you a free credit toward their professional level features. Get those professional you want to You want to be a professional about it, okay? Yeah. So HireLoop.io slash quit. Just go there and check it out. If you're ever going to hire somebody again, do it with Hire Loop. I'm yep. serious. I'm so sincere. I remember when we were hiring and I had like four or five different places where I had posted it and I had to keep checking and then some people would re apply to like both both places. They're like, oh, I saw it on this one and this one. So I just sent it into both. I'm like, that's not helpful. And then <sighs> if only I had had higher loop. How dare he suggest that that wasn't the best reason. <laughs> if he sends an, listen, 
if he sends another email like that, just hit delete. Don't even, you know what I'm saying? Don't no. res- respond to it. You have to respond. Just don't respond to it. All right. What's the next I put link in uh, a new link that I sent you. I sent you last night, too. Um, this is by Peter Levels. Uh, Lavelles? Lavelles. And he is saying, he made a, a screenshot of a note that he made, how to make $1 million. And I just thought this was really interesting because I think a lot of people don't think about it in this way. So you can either make a $5,000 product for 200 people, All right. a $2,000 product for 500 people, a $1,000 product for 1,000 people, and then it goes on and on all the way down to make a $10 product for 100,000 people. Right. Or you could do 500 people pay you $167 a month for a year, and it goes all the way down to 10,000 people pay you $9 a month for one year. Right. So it's picking, I guess, with if you're choosing pricing for something. Right. I mean, it puts it in perspective. Right. It really does. Like, you... You're like, oh, my! only 500 people use my stuff. Well, then make it more expensive and then you can make, you know, like it's all relative. It really is. And I think it also helps you put things into perspective. What kind of product or service are you building and who do you want your target audience to be? For example, and I'll, I'll bring um, Fireside because this is what I'm thinking about all the time. I know. This reminded me of it too. You know, coming, <laughs> coming into Fireside, I was saying to myself, okay, you've got the uh a couple giants in the business of podcast hosting already and libsyn is a good example of that that's sort of the go-to i just want to put my files up and uh and host them and maybe i'm using wordpress for a website maybe i'm doing my own website maybe i'm using libsyn's uh you know sort of generic web page to uh to, to to promote it whatever that's sort of like the basic entry level i just want a place to throw my files kind of a website I don't really, you know, and I thought to myself, that's not really the kind of business that I want to do or the kind of customer that, that I want to have. And there's nothing wrong with a Libsyn customer inherently. Um, but, you know, if you're, if you're setting out to say, it, let's, let's put it, a, use, use a car analogy. Are you wanting to make a Honda Civic or are you wanting to make uh, an Audi A4? Or an Audi. You know what I mean? Are you right. trying to be Honda, which is to make the most affordable car for the most number of people that you can? Or is it to say, I want someone who's a little more discriminating and who's willing to pay more money and who has more money? The, the point is, it's a different kind of customer. Right. And those companies create a different kind of experience. Um, we own a Honda. We have a nice, uh, m- nice minivan that we load our extended family into whenever we need to go somewhere. And it is a Honda Odyssey. And there is a completely different experience. Right. Buying the Honda Odyssey, driving the Honda Odyssey, and getting the Honda Odyssey serviced than there is with the Audi A4 that I used to have. I don't have it anymore. And more people probably have the Honda Odyssey of course. than the Audi A4. Of course. <laughs> and what you get for your money is completely different. Those two cars cost about the same. But what you get for your money is a completely different thing. So for example, when I take the um when I take the the Honda in to go get it serviced, um you don't really get an appointment per se. You you kind of do your service will take 
three hours, maybe more. If you don't want to wait with it, you can either arrange for a ride or you can uh, you can wait for the shuttle to like take you to the nearby shopping plaza. Uh, the service is relatively cheap. They seem to do a great job when they do the service. And then you leave and your car is, uh, is ready to go. In the waiting room, if you choose to wait, there are lots of uh, people coming and going. There's screaming children. There are just chairs set out. Sometimes there'll be a TV on that has like uh, uh, usually a, a kid's TV show on repeat or maybe if you're lucky, CNN. And sometimes there's um, water bottles. And that's it. Or one of those like little coffee drip things. Maybe. However, in the Audi experience, if you make an appointment, they'll have a loaner car that's usually a step up from what you drive waiting for you. So you show up and there's a loaner car you drive away in it. That's kind of nice. If you choose to wait, there's usually gourmet coffee in there, lots of different drinks. They usually have a little business center. Sometimes there's a printer. I've been to many where they had uh, widescreen TVs, multiple widescreen TVs uh-huh. with comfortable chairs. They have little private areas you can go to work. They have a uh, high-speed internet connection. Sometimes Honda will have that. Am I bashing Honda? Absolutely not. But it's, it's a, com- it's a completely different experience between Honda and uh, an Audi, for example. What kind of product do you want to make? Honda has done, I would say, I, I don't know. I, I, I should have looked at this before I used the example. But I think more people know about Hondas and use Hondas. And maybe I would suggest Honda's probably a bigger company than, than Audi. Right. And it more financially successful, I would think, than Audi. I need to look that up. I'm not sure. But that's my impression. Right. However, when you're building your own business and you're trying to decide what, what do you want to do? Do you want to make a product where people pay you $17 a month and you need 5,000 people to make a million dollars? Or would you rather have 10,000 people paying about half that? Or would you rather have 500 people paying $167 a month? Your general knee-jerk response is to say, nobody's going to spend $167 a month for this service or for this thing. And maybe that's true. Maybe you're wrong. There might be a very good chance that if you have enough if you're working on a product, if you have enough features or if you build in enough quality that you can differentiate yourself from your competitor whose goal is get the masses, get the masses, get the masses. Because chances are, if there's a big player like that, you're not going to be able to compete at that level without doing something like raising a lot of money or something like that. But here's what you can do. You can start out making that $42 a month service or $17 a month service, get bigger, start making a lot of money, and lower your prices. And then guess what? Right. You're still operating at that higher level and you're competing then more closely with that bigger player because you came in, offered more and better, and yeah, you were more expensive. But guess what? You're better. You're also controlling the kind of customers that right. you get. Exactly. Not not everyone, or the, the people that are going to pay $167 a month Versus the people that are going to pay $9 a month are very, very so different, different customers. So different. And, you know, the numbers, as as he's written down here, it's much more likely for 10,000 people to pay $9 a month. That makes right. more sense. Right. But then there are a select then... few, 
500 people paying $167 mm-hmm. a month. Like that's, you know, it ju- it just makes sense. It just makes sense. It does. And the other thing is you need to remember you need to support those people. They're your customers. Right. Are They're you ready going to, to need support 10,000 10,000 people? Yeah, I mean maybe you are, but there you're now supporting 10,000 people whose budget is $9 a month. Right. Very different from 2,000 people whose budget is $42 a month. Right. Um it's it's not that the people who are willing to spend nine dollars a month are 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 worse in some way. They're not, but it's just you, that is that is a different kind of clientele. customer and yeah. clientele, and uh, and you need to take that into very careful consideration. Who is going to buy this thing that you're making? Who is going to buy it? And what is their attitude going to be toward the thing that you're making or producing? What attitude do you want to create for them? Because I'll tell you what, if somebody is paying $167 a month, their expectations will be different Much higher. Mm-hmm. than the, you know, if I went into an Audi dealership, I do miss my old Audi. I know. <laughs> if I went into an Audi dealership and they didn't have coffee, hey, this dealership sucks. What's wrong with this place? Right, Where's I'm the TV? This much for a car. I expect to have a TV in here. When I go to the Honda place, I'm glad if there's just an open seat for me. <laughs> Very you don't different have to attitude. Stand outside. That's right. Very different attitude. Oh, yeah. they're they're not out of water bottles. I got a water bottle. Right. I didn't have to pay for it. Very different from I can't believe they don't have Starbucks here. Very different yeah. attitude. You need to be able to deliver that if you're going for the bigger customers, the better customers. But there's one more thing is you're at a much higher position of risk if you have a fewer number of customers paying right. more. If you have 10,000 people paying and you, you lose, $9 and you lose 1,000, that's not even a big deal. No. But if, if, you, if you only have 500 and you lose 50, yeah, that's, you're going to feel that's that. That's difference. You're going to feel it. Yeah, so I, just, I thought that was a there. nice way for people to really visualize it. Heidi, did you know that young Americans are killing marriage? Well, the reason why I put this article in here is I thought the Killing graphs it. were really interesting. Um, just because I love, I love talking. You know, everybody's talking about millennials and how they suck all the time. Um, but uh, I think I think a lot of millennials are focusing on themselves longer, and I think there's less pressure uh, to get married and have a family and just be like, oh, I'm just going to be a stay-at-home mom. You know, I think there's just less pressure to do that. Um, I know many of my friends uh, are not married. Many of my friends are married and have four kids. So, yeah, you, you know, know that was something you were telling me it's about. Either, it's the extremes to me. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just really find that interesting. And I like studying this. And uh, the graphs on here are really interesting. And which one, Tim, which one was the one that was interesting? Well, I think the most interesting th- for me. So one of the some of these graphs are the comparing education gap was interesting. Yeah, some of these are comparing like um, it's baby boomers to millennials to millennials. So there's the baby boomers in the 1980s, millennials in 2015. So it's basically baby boomers at the same age that millennials are now to, today, essentially, right? right. Uh, or in or in 2015 when they right. were doing this. But like uh, some of the things that they have in here that I think are very interesting. Well, we can read some of these. Um, it says that uh, more than half of 25 to 34 year olds are single. Yeah, right. Compared to compared to um, in, uh, so they have got the baby boomers in blue compared to in oh, so so seventy percent almost 
were married, baby boomers in 1980. Now about 40% of millennials are married in 2015. That's a big jump. Never married, only 20% of baby boomers in 1980. Again, this is age 25 to 34. 20% never married. In 2015, millennials, it's about 55%. That's insane. So more than half never married. Uh, which is, which is, I think fascinating. And, and, you know, seeing it visually and on you know graph, why I have one word, one word answer for what? you as to why they're not Tinder. Yeah, probably. Is Tinder still a thing or is it Bumble now? I don't know. I don't know. What, I don't know what any of those it's the same. are. It's all the same. It's the same concept. It's like when you say, oh, I need a Teflon pan. You don't really want a Teflon right, pan. Like you give just me want a, a tissue. Pan. Yeah. You just want something to blow your nose off. Kleenex. Kleenex. Yeah, Kleenex. Uh, young people are less likely to be living on their own than they were 35 years ago. So in baby boomers in the 80s, living on their own, 85% were living on their own. <laughs> Millennials in 2015, 50, almost 60% are living on their own. Now, here's the funny thing. Living with your parents or your grandparents, less than 10% of baby boomers would live with their parents at this time. Millennials, it's about not, 25%. Like 25%. <laughs> so a quarter yeah, that's apparently a thing. I didn't know that was a thing, but apparently millennials are moving back in with their parents. Uh, it's just, I don't know anyone living with their parents right now, so. Maybe they just don't admit it. Yeah, maybe. Um, uh, millennials also delay getting a house and delay having children. So again, ages 25 to 30, baby boomers in, in 1980, 60% owned a house. And almost 70% had a child living with them, their own biological child. Millennials, only about 40, 45% own a home, but 55% have a, a little baby living up in there. It's interesting. Yeah, it's just, it's really They're having, still having kids. They're and just then, not getting married. Right. Not getting married, having kids, not buying a house, living in an apartment. Now, one renting, thing, one thing millennials are uh, kicking butt with. Yeah. And this, this made me happy. <laughs> and, but all, well, it should make you also uh, sad is <laughs> uh, baby boomers. Uh, the, the most interesting thing is a lot of baby boomers didn't get as much education. Mm-hmm. 15% had less than high school compared to millennials. 10% only had high school almost 30, 30 almost 40%. Had just high school. Millennials, they're down around 20%. Bachelor's degree, only about 22% of boomers had a bachelor's degree. And more. And uh, yeah, and millennials are up at 35%. Now, the reason that this should make you sad, though, because what that means is that um, millennials are staying in school to avoid having to face the real world. Possibly, yeah. But they just also keep going back to school. Well, I think I'm going to get my master's. Well, I think I'm going to get another one. we see the importance oh. of education. Boom. You think so? Yep. And maybe we <laughs> were, maybe schooling is just better, you know? Um, it's better because you're not having to work. Possibly. <laughs> uh, but I think, I think maybe honing a skill or something like that. I think, I think people, I think people, my age are just more interested in learning and getting that education, or maybe they're using that as a as a way to jump higher up in the the food chain in in 
you know, at work. It, may, it remains like, to oh, be I seen need, if they do that. I need, you know, a PhD for this so that I can get this kind of job. Mm-hmm. I think they're thinking about it more like that instead of like, you know, maybe one day I'll be able to get that job. Mm-hmm. I, like they're like, oh, well, if this is what it takes to get the job, I'm going to do it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. It's tough to say. And I think a lot of that remains to be seen. You know, the in my family, I, I have the least education of almost anyone in my family. Like my cousin, he has so many degrees. It's just crazy. And I think almost everyone in my whole family has a master's degree and beyond. And, you know, for me, I was I was really done with school. I wanted to get out there and, and do stuff. The fact that I went to college... At all, I felt like it was holding me back. But it was a very valuable experience. And having right. a college degree, I think, is valuable. And I, I know that they say having a master's degree or other advanced degrees is supposed to get you a better job and a higher paying job. But I think that only works for some... For some things. Some things. Yeah. Like you can't... Like if you had a PhD right now in me? something, audio engineering, that's not going to make you a better podcaster. I wouldn't be sitting here if I had a PhD. He's sitting up in an ivory tower, you know, yeah. pouring boiling oil down on people trying to get into my building, <laughs> you know, yeah. get away from here. That's what PhDs do. Yeah. Sit there sitting on a stack of money, burning it. I'm cold. Oh, really? Yeah. Throw another stack of hundreds in the yeah. fireplace, you know, get out But of I here. don't think that would make you more successful if you had that. I, you know, I would feel pretty successful in that tower. No, I'm talking about All right now. All the food I want. You want no, some watermelon? No, you're still Dan Benjamin. You're still own five by five. That's just nothing else is different. But you have a PhD. That's that's the difference. I wouldn't be here if I had a PhD. I'd be up in that tower. You see what I'm saying? No, but you wouldn't be able to be in the tower. Well, what's the point of a PhD if I can't exactly. have my tower? I knew a guy with a PhD. He's a millionaire now. Oh yeah. Yeah. Did he go into work into the field that he had a PhD in? Only briefly. Yeah. I think anyone today, if you're if you're not on the track of becoming, yeah, like people who get PhDs today, I don't know. I'm trying to think of. Do you know anyone who's getting a PhD right now? Do we have any listeners who are getting a PhD? I think I my would sister like hear, has friends that are getting some PhDs. I would like to hear from our listeners who have PhDs or who are in the process of getting them and what, what they're getting it in. And what are you going to be doing with that? Are you going to be doing, are you teaching? Are you researching? Are you, you know, like what, what does that lead to? So you guys, I don't, I don't know anyone. Do you know anyone that's a doctor, a PhD doctor personally, anyone in your family or anything? No, no. My mom's got the master's. Everyone in my, my family has a master's. My sister's thinking about now. doing a master's. She's in art, right? right? And so that actually makes sense. So and what would her, her path be? Well, she would go to, uh, what is it? No, what I mean, like she'd word? go and she'd get she'd get, she'd a get her graduate master's, degree. But like, yeah. what would her path be after that? Like, what um, job does that just, get her? She uh, could just move higher up in the in the arts departments right. that she's would be currently in. Because my mom was always like she, director of a um of a full museum or something like that's right. possible when you have you that. need a master's but if you for don't, that. Don't it's. It's harder. It's that much, makes much sense. harder. That you makes have sense. to put in so much more time in the in the lower levels of all the art things, and you just have mm-hmm. to slowly move up. But with this, I think you can jump a little jump, faster. Jump forward. Mm-hmm. With my mom was in education, working at uh, universities, and uh, and she had a master's degree, of course. But in order to get to the higher levels in administration, to be like a chairperson or a head right. of a department or something. Uh, or even to get a faster track to getting tenure, 
you had to have a doctorate, a PhD. Uh, so in certain fields, I can see the value of it for your career. I think it's more um, established, old-fashioned fields, mm-hmm. you know. Speaking of established, not old-fashioned, let me tell you about Squarespace. They are established. They're established, but they're not old-fashioned. No. They're so, new-fashioned. It's a wonderful place to go to host, your, uh, to host your next website, to build your next website. They've got everything that you're going to need to do that. Beautiful templates, tons of designs. You can go and get a unique domain there. That's, that's something they've had for a while, but now you can just, you just want to go get a domain? You can just go to Squarespace right. and register a domain. Be, be like John Malkovich and get, get your own domain there. But their design templates are the best out there. I mean, they look beautiful. Anytime you see a gorgeous website, chances are, like I've it's found... It's Squarespace. Yeah, and I like I'll to... I'll always scroll down to the bottom yeah, and I look for it. Look for the <laughs> logo or in, in some cases, you can, you can check a box that hides that if you don't want to publicize it. But you can it. tell by like, you the view flutter. the source. You can view the source. Yeah. And so it'll have the little Squarespace generator code. I'm, I'm, I used to be surprised because I'd say, oh my God, that site looks so good. And then I'd be like, Squarespace again. But I've just come to expect it now. You're like, now everything should be Squarespace. But the sites don't look alike. It's not a cookie cutter no. process. You get in there and you customize it, but you don't customize it with HTML or CSS. You customize it just by toggling things, moving little sliders, drag and drop, drag and drop uh, to build your site. It's absolutely amazing. But it makes sense. It's something that we talk about here all the time on Quit, which is... Focus on the things that you're good at. If you're a podcaster, focus on making good content. If you're an app developer, focus on making your app great. If you're a photographer, take good pictures. You know, whatever the thing is that you're doing, focus on that. Don't worry about the details of how do I make a beautiful site to promote this thing. Or it's going to take me forever. It's going to take me away from photography. Or it's going to cost me a fortune. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it doesn't have to do that. They get 24-7 customer service. You don't have to have to install anything or patch anything or upgrade anything. They just do it all for you. Here's the deal. Go to squarespace.com. Make sure you use the offer code QUIT. You'll get 10% off your first purchase, and it will show your support here. And you know what? When you're in that coffee shop and the person next to you is talking to their friend saying, oh, oi, the cost of making a website, I don't know how to get started. Lean over to them and be like, squarespace.com offer code quit or when your grandmother is like you know knitting a whole bunch of stuff and she's like oh i don't want to sell any of it it's selling stuff online is too hard load it into your trunk start a squarespace site sell it all and then show up with the money and she'll be like what happened to my my knittings i made that for you i made that for you i'll be like grandma yeah grandma here's a hundred thousand dollars of stuff that i just sold on your squarespace site and she'll be like I have a Squarespace. You sure do, Ma. You sure do. They're going to run with and that. And you look at the camera and then it goes ding. Yeah, right on the they're going to have to run with this. Yeah. You see, this is solid gold right here. We're giving them. We're good salespeople. Squarespace.com. They should hire us to do ads on our show. Squarespace.com. <laughs> offer code is quit. Get your first uh, purchase 10% off. Thanks very much, Squarespace. Do you want to do this last thing, this story about... Uh, story about Greg's story? About Greg's story? Yeah. Greg's story is someone I've known for a long time, uh, at least 10 years, maybe 15, a long, long time. And uh, he is a, uh, I think, still fairly well-known designer. And back in the old days, uh, he, was, he was a rock star. He was like the number one guy and he was so well known and everything that he wound up starting his, uh, his own business 
And then that kind of merged and became part of Happy Cog, the design agency. And he did that for a number of years. And then for one reason or another, as businesses sometimes do, uh, they close it down. He left Happy Cog. But it had not been, uh, it had been many, many, many years since he had actually had a job working for someone or else. Or had to search for a job. Or had to search for a job or had to interview for a job. Right. And this link that Hattie found is very, very interesting. And this is something that uh, he talks about his search and what that was like in, in the process that he went through of finding a job. And you would think that for somebody like him, who's as well-known as he was, somebody who had the business experience that he did and tremendous years of design experience like he had. In the industry, people knew him yeah, and everything. That it would be like a phone call, like, hmm, I want a job. And that right. there would be people like, please come work for us. And by the way, uh, how much do you want to make? Because we'll pay, just pay it to you. Mm -hmm. But that was not the case at all. And uh, he was surprised by this, as I was reading, uh, reading the article as well. But what I really like about it is he shares his whole story. He shares the whole process. But I'd like to read one paragraph. Yeah. Um, so he's talking about having not done an interview for 11 years and having gone in for an interview at a company that it turns out was Medium. He says, I wasn't at all prepared. Simply put, I didn't go into that interview or the others with a clear vision for what I wanted to do in the company, which means I wasn't prepared to sell Greg's story like I should have been. I delivered a lot of passion for the company, who they are and what they do. It was all there, but I left it up to others to translate the energy into an idea of how I could fit into the company. And you can't do that anymore, especially if they don't know you personally. I would argue that you've never been able to do that. Right. Uh, he, he did not sell his product just like we were talking about earlier in the show, which in this case was him. Was him. Mm -hmm. The interview is one of the most important sales jobs you will ever have. You need to sell yourself. When you go in and somebody says, do you have any experience with this? The answer is better be yes. Even if you're connected to something that you right. did years ago, I've used this example a million times. Oh, do you have any uh, sales experience? Yes. Oh, can you tell me about that? Sure. Uh, when I was 18, I sold newspaper subscriptions. Oh, right. you know what? But you've done that. And the other person who's interviewing hasn't. So you've got one up on them. Right. The answer is yes. You, know, you don't want to lie, obviously, if the answer is really right. no. You say no. <laughs> but Have you, know, you ever been a CEO? Yes, I have. When you go in into, the, uh, into that interview, you're selling yourself and you're selling, again, back to what the, the woman in the other article yep. uh, said, you are selling them a state of mind. What is your company going to be like when, when I'm, on, I'm the on the team? It's going to be freaking great. Yep. And here's what it's going to be it's like. Gonna go perfect. Right. These things that suck right now, those things are going to all be awesome. And here's why they're going to be And here's awesome. why. And here's how you, why you need me. How have you guys gotten to where you are now without me? Right. I don't even understand how you're functioning as a company of 500 people without this 501st person that you've been longing for. You didn't even know you need it. That's how you go into an interview. If somebody starts talking about how, oh, it's such a great company, I really want to work here. Okay, that's what you want. What about what we need? Why do we need you, potential employee? What, will you, what are you going to do for us? 
And if you don't have an answer for that, if you don't have a mindset to sell, same thing when you're talking about selling a house. I sold houses and made such a killing on the houses that I sold. I didn't flip houses. I lived in them. I guess technically I flipped them, but my goal was to live there. But when it came time to sell that house, this is why I want to go into real estate. I know. I'm going, I'm going to go into real estate. That's a separate show. We'll talk about that. But I've, ta- I've decided to take up a new challenge for myself to see. But we'll talk about that in another show. But I was so good at, at making these houses because when you're selling a house, you're not selling a house. You're not selling a property. You're selling a mindset. You're selling a, a home in a sense of a dream. Right. When someone comes into that house, you're not selling them on the carpet, the wood floors. You're right. not selling them on the windows and the staircase. You're selling them on- A lifestyle. A, this is what you are going to feel like in this house. Right. If you can picture This is the life you want. Laying in a hammock with a nice cold drink in the, you know, in the nice backyard with all the cool trees and it's not, you know, like you're, you're weaving a story that their life could be. Right. I mean, look at, look at vacations and the way that vacations are promoted. Look at the uh, Atlantis or whatever the Bahamas thing is. They're not, they're not selling you on, this is what your room will look like. They're saying, get away experience relax feel the sunshine feel the sand in your toes right don't think about work look at the beautiful people that are there you could be a beautiful person too if you come here you will be a beautiful person that's right we're waiting for you look here's your chair yeah you know with the corona right right you're selling that when you sell your house but you're selling that to your future employer if your employer feels like their life is going to get better because they have you, they're going to hire you. Right. They're not, you're not just selling your skills. That's, That's it. right. It's not just that. It's so much more than that. That's all I got, Hattie. We got to wrap yep. this thing up. Yeah. Okay. So thanks everyone for listening. Hope you enjoyed the program. You can Thank find you. Hattie on Twitter. She's at Hattie Bird, H-A-D-D-I-E Bird. I lose my glasses there a lot. And you found them. I found them. You're wearing them. Yeah. I'll I thought that again. those glasses were just for computer work, not for like walking around wearing. Yeah, they're they're just for computers. But how come you're always wearing them all the time? I'm not. They always seem I like they're- I forget sometimes, oh, but- That's what it was. I try not to drive in them. They have a little bit of a magnification. I'm hopeful that you don't drive them. <laughs> I'm at Dan Benjamin on Twitter if you want to get me and we would love to hear your feedback. We need to, how do we need to do another More emails, another uh, email show. So this is yeah. a good time to write in, go to five by five TV slash contact, click the link for quit. We will get your email. We will read it on the show. If you don't want us to use your name, say it in like the first line. first line. Don't use my name. You can say, hi, this is, or you could say, don't use don't my use first my name. name. Hi, this is John. Right. Blah, blah, blah. Right. <laughs> or call, call me Max. And that way we'll use a code name so you still know it's you. But that's it. That's all we got. Show notes for those links that Heidi found are at 5x5.tv slash quit slash 105. And I uh, hope you have a great week. See ya.